0: The only show taking you inside the studios of the world's most celebrated composers and musicians.
1: Coming to you this week from the Sunset Strip inside Mutato Musica. This is Score the Podcast. I'm your host, Kenny Holmes, with my co-host, Robert Kraft.
2: Yeah, one of the coolest studios, I think, in Hollywood.
1: It's lime green. You can't miss it.
2: And it just says Mark Mothersbaugh. Yeah. It's, There's it's, something about it that is, it truly fits him just as a building and as a facility. Really amazing place. It's,
1: it's, it's a trademark almost. Yeah. Uh, we're joined also every week by our executive producer, Matt Schrader, making fun of us on the board.
2: Hi, Matt. Ooh, that's a good it's one. It's our new Brahm.
0: Love Anytime that. Anytime we have something dramatic. Kind of cool. Drop this.
1: I got a, I got a tease. Drop for, the mic. That, my, uh, that Matt had a new sound to Unveiled today he was Did really you lose sleep
2: Over that information Because if I was told that I'd think Wow <laughs> How am I going to even Come to work tomorrow I was like I can't wait tomorrow?
1: The traffic seemed like It was worse Because of that I
2: was mm. so anxious
1: um, This week We're really excited About our guest uh, You know him From Thor Ragnarok Also the Lego movie Cloudy with a Chance Of Meatballs The legendary Rugrats theme Of course Rugrats it's, That's Mark In a nutshell And he's also Duh He's the man from Devo. Yes, he is. Um, so uh, he's... Do-do-do-do. So many... <laughs> he's also an <laughs> artist. <laughs> we're <laughs> sitting next to this monster of a art project called the...
2: Orchestrion. Orchestrion. Yep. and uh, You'll see from some photos that we're going to post, but... Um,
1: and video. You got to have
2: videos. It is really... It's so interesting to look at it because it is such an homage to a kind of art and music construct that really is part of the... Seminal moments of modern art in the early parts of the 20th century—a thing with more bells and whistles. I think it's the definition of bells and, it whistles, bells and it. whistles. It actually has bells and whistles. It sure does. <laughs> it's the first thing. Yeah, it's just incredible.
1: Also coming up in today's show, we go behind the score, talking about the dreaded temp track Ooh, or, or temp scores. Oh, yeah, you're getting your money's worth on that one. Was that a temp?
0: <laughs> yeah, you, you had to replace you didn't that. did that, did you? We're still working on the yeah. uh, the final thing.
1: Okay, okay. Uh, plus, another chance for our audience to win a fabulous prize. We're going to play Name That Score. And Matt, what is the topic today?
0: We're going crazy with the sound of, with the uh, intro of this episode. Uh, the topic today is animal movies about animals. We're featuring animals. Or is Elephant Man a part of that? <laughs>
2: Or or Elephant Man. It's not going to be Elephant Man. One of Robert's favorites. One of my favorite movies. It's interesting that the temp score will be the topic because I just read a composer's roundtable in The Hollywood Reporter a couple days ago and the one unanimous response from every composer all the top men and women that are composing films, was how much they dislike the temp score and most of them said they actually don't listen to it. Interesting. Well,
1: uh, some of the people we're going to hear from in that, uh, Oscar-winning composer Rachel Portman and uh, Oscar-nominated composer, and our guest next week, John Powell. Uh, so it's an interesting little snippet about what the temp score is. If you don't know what it is, and if you do, you probably have an idea of what you're going to hear about. Um, Good I do, and bad, but uh, it seems to steal a little creativity from the creative. So um, I want to touch on uh, our poll from last week, because we talked about... The uh, next Bond composer. Mm-hmm. Um, we went off of that article that listed the usual suspects, uh, previous composers that scored Bond films, and we kind of strayed away from that and tried to pick some new ideas. And um, what
2: understanding, was, of course, that it may be David Arnold. It, I can't think that they aren't considering David, mm-hmm. of course, of course, yeah, have or,
1: to. or Thomas Newman, yeah, um, some of the previous composers. Uh, but Matt, what was the the final result there?
0: Well, Kenny, I think you said the final result right before we started recording. I know, I just wanted to hear my, you My my pick was John Powell. He got forty percent, and nice. of course, Kenny's pick, Michael Giacchino, forty-one percent. Yeah. Wow, it's going to be
2: tight. Maybe they could collaborate. Like.
0: I think it's finished now, isn't it? Is the is is our official poll over now? The the poll is over. That was the winner. So uh, I'm proud to say. Maybe we'll
1: give it. We'll give an, a, a, an additional prize for that today the, okay. from Mark <laughs> Mothersbaugh.
2: Nice. Um,
1: <laughs> I forgot what we were doing. <laughs> we're doing a show. <laughs>
2: You're gonna go. We're gonna cut this. I segment. haven't had my coffee today. <laughs> You're gonna say <laughs> it's something. been a weird morning. You're saying <laughs> speaking of additional prizes.
1: Oh, uh, I remember now. <laughs> On Friday we were doing our production meeting. Nice. And we were talking about what we were going to ask Mark Mothersbaugh. Yes. And something came up that I didn't know about from Robert Kraft, and I went nuts. I tweeted about it, you, you may have seen, on our social media. Am I, I called friends, I posted on Facebook. Robert Kraft wrote the Who's
2: the Boss theme. I did. Oh, that's take really back, scary. Robert. Boy, does it take me back.
1: <laughs> Legendary song.
2: That's actually uh, version one because it was re-recorded maybe two or three years later. A little slicker, but that was a big moment in my life. I was living in the Oakwood Garden Apartments on Barham and somebody <laughs> asked me if I wanted to write a TV theme song. And I'd never written one and had no idea what you were supposed to do. So I actually thought... I'll write the squarest thing I can. That's what, At that point in my life, being a musical hipster... Brand new life. Brand new life. Brand new life, Brand new life. This was like, the bend.
1: This was like the theme song of people's households all around the country. I couldn't
2: believe it. I wrote it, I turned it in, I forgot about it, and then I got a call that you had. They said, your song has been chosen for an ABC pilot. And I thought, okay, is that like the guy that flies the corporate plane? <laughs> I mean, I had no idea. So you didn't write it to the show even? You, I, oh, I didn't they, know that. No, no, no. They just said, could you write a theme song for, you know, it's a show about, a, I guess, Tony Danza was the male housekeeper and Judith Light was the ran the house and Alyssa Milano and that kid were in the house. And so I, I tried to, I think I tried to, something that was either thirty or sixty seconds long. I knew that it had to be that, and I tried to do something that was incredibly sunny and upbeat and square because I couldn't write, you know, the kind of song that I was writing in New York City about being out all night and hanging out. (laughs) Like wrong. So (laughs) we all know
0: that's now our favorite uh, our favorite theme. But we, I have a couple different things. I'm not sure what what is from what you guys. We went through steer me through. I required everybody
1: to tell me two or three of their their favorite TV themes. Of course, there's some obvious ones that are still on every day, like Seinfeld and uh, Friends and stuff like that, that that people would name. (laughs) But I I wanted to dig a little deeper and find what are some memorable favorite TV themes. And play along at home, too, if you're listening... send us a tweet at score the podcast or maybe even a youtube link with uh, your favorite and i got song some clips
0: that. here so i'll roll with them as you uh, as you list them off i got a couple of my favorites too Fire away i'll go first i'll make the first pick in this one with the original batman
1: yeah i remember watching the the movie version of this show where they're like fighting on a big ship <laughs> always, we had a pool in the backyard, and we always used to like mimic. Wait, well, it's the best part, Batman. I'd be
2: re- I'd be remiss if I didn't share a bit of trivia. The guitar player is the legendary Tommy Tedesco, and uh-huh. he was well known for playing the Batman theme. And he was a wonderful, wonderful, huge stud You know, one of the Wrecking Crew, Studio Rats, mm-hmm. as they called him. I'd be
1: remiss if I didn't name one of my favorites, which is the Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Let's
2: hear it. I got in one little fight and my mom got
1: scared and said you're moving with your auntie and uncle in Bel-Air I whistled for a cab and when it came near
3: The license place at Fresno You know
1: what's crazy though, there. This anything, a I lot of people may not this know this up Unless you really dive into Bell-Air. the archives But this song is like four minutes long And there's so many more verses than what's in the show open And I remember the first time I heard it, it was like, what? <laughs> it was like <laughs> discovering like the unreleased... Secret he version the Director's cut But he's like On the plane And all these Different verses Oh
2: shout out To Benny Medina On that one too What else do we got Well Robert Do you have a favorite I, I, had I a have couple, a couple I, think, here. I remember I'm you not sure me. Which are yours Let's see I had uh,
0: you, you sent Cheers me I like oh, that cheers, Because I think yeah. cheers, ah, was
2: cheers was probably you. The model that I used you
1: Have you been to
3: Cheers
2: I think it's in Boston Right I yeah. think I've walked past And And but I'll never go in there because Cheers was competitive with Who's the Boss. So actually, oh. it was in my deal that I can never go into the Cheers. Bar. Are you allowed
0: to say that you like this theme song?
2: I'm not. No, actually, I just. <laughs> my I, girlfriend and I, I
1: were on a trip in Boston and we were walking around all through town and it started pouring rain. So we stumbled into Cheers and we spent like four hours there and everyone knew our name at the end. It
2: <laughs> oh, that's it. <laughs> It was all a, a movie <laughs> set up, by the way. You didn't realize. What
0: else do we have, man? All right. So my, my other... This is a short-lived series, but uh, what a great theme song. The Greatest American Hero.
2: It or not, wow. This is just the definition of hipness. I think this is just... When you think about like underground kind of artistic expressions... Yeah. Great you can here. see where so. kind
0: of our name that score aesthetic maybe yeah. started, and uh, I, I
2: know I, I all, picked All another. I can
1: hear though in that is George Costanza. Believe it or not, George isn't at home. Please leave a <laughs> message. I bet there's more people that you in kind of your film. <laughs>
2: I picked another, and I can't remember. I oh, know what it was. I know what it was. I just remembered. I I had the pleasure of working with They Might Be Giants. Oh yeah And yes. getting them onto Malcolm in the Middle. Do we have that? A little bit of You're Not the Boss of Me, one of the things I love to say to everybody. I didn't know that was They Might Be, giants. Two boys from New Jersey. And And a very unorthodox theme song. Can we just ask another trivia question? Sure we can. Go ahead, Rob. Uh, (laughs) Who... Would you say was on Malcolm in the Middle that broke out in his next series to be an enormous? Oh, this oh, is too an easy. easy one. Thank you. Let's move on. <laughs> Thanks. I am the
1: danger, Mr. Brian Cranston. Thank you very much. All right, one I've got, more. I've got two because was also on Seinfeld. I was five. Oh yeah, Tim Watley, the dentist. <laughs>
0: Thank oh,
1: you. <laughs> well, that's another podcast. Though. Um, I I had two more that I'm I'm going to bring up because Fire away. I couldn't. Yep. I could, okay. One of them
2: is Airwolf you remember this show i I couldn't even tell you what an airwolf is so
1: the song is so good
2: (laughs) wow this is so good one of those tv shows (laughs) that just quick how fast can i get out of the house
1: (laughs) don't hate all right (laughs) takes me back and then you can't not include night rider
2: well you could you could actually but Love the fact that each theme song says something about the era. Oh yeah, so good. <laughs> Kids, it's Night Rider. Let's go.
0: So our poll question this week is going to be: What's your favorite theme song? So let us know at Score the Podcast on Twitter, uh, and we will. Uh- Are you going to put like art?
1: Each of our pick is like yeah. to vote on, yeah, or include your your own favorite. I'm sure no one's going to vote, and they're just going to send their favorites, which the is perfectly fine.
2: Simpsons,
1: fun. this oh yeah, of course
2: we or, have
0: a little thing from the
1: Simpsons. Yeah, we uh, are going to talk a little up, bit about the in Simpsons. just a few yep. minutes, here. little yeah, surprise right. there that, for uh, that was my Mark f- Mothersbaugh
2: secret segue. All
1: right, well, speaking of Mark Mothersbaugh, he's coming in right after the break. We're going to sit down. We're going to talk uh, Devo. We're going to talk Thor, Ragnarok, the Lego Movie, all the hits. Stick around. We'll be right back.
0: Hey, Matt Schrader here. We're back to the show in 15 seconds, but a quick thank you to everyone who's been telling a friend about Score the Podcast. We're one of the fastest growing entertainment podcasts out there right now, and that's thanks to you, telling a friend. You're probably thinking of somebody else right now that enjoy the show. If it's safe to do so, hit pause and let them know about Score the Podcast. It helps keep this show going.
2: Now back to the show. Hey, we're back, and we're in the fantastic studio of Mark Mothersbaugh, my friend, and... Mutado Musica. That's it. Mutato Musica. Which
1: is, it, it's kind of a small forum, didn't you? I think you told us it was designed by the
3: same... Uh, no, it was designed by Oscar Niemeyer, the um, oh, wow. Brazilian architect.
2: Yes. It looks like the forum.
3: Has a, yeah, they, they have a little bit of the outside of that going on.
2: Have you had any arena rock bands here <laughs> to perform?
3: <laughs> uh Maybe not the whole band, but definitely players.
2: I bet. And actually, it's uh, not unthinkable because you were in what could have been described as an arena rock band in a pre-arena era. How big would you say the biggest audience Devo had was? What size show?
3: Probably a quarter million. We used to play in <laughs> a lot wow. of festivals.
2: So, I didn't know. Yeah, so... Around the world.
1: Well, we're going to get the world. We're yeah. going to get to Devo in a bit. Um, yeah. Thank you for having us, Mark. Uh, of course, you know Mark's music from the films. Uh, most recently, Thor, Ragnarok, uh, The Lego Movie, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, The Royal Tenenbaums, Twenty One Jump Street, Hotel Transylvania, which has a, a sequel coming soon, I think. Right. Uh, and then also uh, his legendary Rugrats theme, which I think everyone probably knows at this point. Uh, and then of course some video games, Zach and Daxter. Crash Bandicoot, The Sims Two. So there it is. Nice. <laughs> you,
3: you have to be of a certain age to know that. Over sixty. Or yeah, you have to either be <laughs> the right age that you were wearing a diaper when that was playing, nice. or you were the parent of somebody. With yeah, a I was going to say
1: there's probably two yeah, age groups that know yeah. that.
2: Mark, it's interesting to even hear that because it it sort of signals there are very few composers that you would go to to say you know, we need a certain kind of sound that's idiosyncratic and maybe childlike in a certain way. And of course I sat in those rooms where unanimously the answer would be, how about Mark Mothersbaugh? Did you ever feel that you were being either pigeonholed in an an arena that said, you know, we need a very special sound or did you relish that, that you were identified that way?
3: Um, Actually, I found that once I got into composition, I had less of that problem than I did when I was in a band because mm. when I was in a band, they, they just thought, oh, uh, we'll sign this weirdo band that, because David Bowie and Brian Eno says to do it. So, so they'd sign it, and they had no idea why they were signing us. And, and then once we had a hit record, though, then it was kind of like, okay, now we see what you do. You can do anything you want on your next record. Just do another Whippet. It. So, so it's like um, when I got into working on TV and film, it, a big part of it was because I, I... And that's why I chose the name Mutato Musica instead of using my name to, to score with because I wanted not to have people just calling me for Devo stuff. And mm. so, um, yeah, I, I found that it was a little easier to move around in film than it was and, and, you know, outside of pop.
2: I'm sure you've told the story before. I'm actually not sure what the pivot was that took you from being in Devo... To scoring your first, either film or TV show. Was it Pee-wee? Was that the first?
3: You, you get a one of the four prizes. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, no, I'm looking hey. at those oh. prizes. Oh, okay. So, um, <laughs> yeah, it was it was uh, the Pee-wee show. I had I had done a little bit of scoring before that. I scored something called Human Highway that was a, a Neil Young movie. Uh, mm. Devo was in it, and he was interested in in electronics at the time and he liked Devo so um, we used music that I'd written for for the score for that and then um, you know bands have bands are like you know they're like a a virus in a petri dish you know where they you know it it grows for a while and then it dies off and then (laughs) you know you gotta go to the next thing and and I'd done this thing where I'd done six albums Mm. with the band where you you write 12 songs you rehearse them you go record them you then put together a live show and do your merchandise and your figure out what you're going to wear on stage and what you're going to do on on tour and then you do that and go out around the world and then you come back and a year later you do 12 more songs. And so we did six albums and then something happened where we didn't like being at Warner It's not even worth going into the story because it's kind of boring. It's like a typical Spinal Tap right. story no matter, <laughs> yeah. what, no matter what you say. And uh, so we ended up we left the label, and I had time, and my friend uh, Paul Rubin said, well, you you wouldn't score my movie because you were too busy, so would you score my TV show? And I was nice. like, yeah, of I'll try that. Of course, we Pee Wee Herman, Paul Yeah, Pee Wee Herman. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we so you living in L.A.? Yeah. 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 And so, he, and he was in New York at, Bro- at uh, Broadway Video shooting it. But I'd get a tape on a Monday. I'd write 12 songs worth of music on Tuesday, record them on on Wednesday, put it in the mail because you know back in those days there wasn't uh, internet stuff. So, so it, it, a courier would carry it to New York on Thursday and Friday. They'd cut it into the show, and Saturday we watched it on TV. <laughs> and twelve songs in one day. Well, I mean, you know, like a, a half hour show. Yeah, you know, albums were twenty minutes back in those days. Twenty five minutes to do an album, and so so it was kind of about the same amount of music. And then Monday I got another tape, and I was like. Sign me up for this. Job. I because lo- uh, I loved performing, but but the idea of of creating was more interesting to me, and uh, so I just got the bug. And well, just...
1: a lot's changed. Obviously, you did Thor Ragnarok, which was one of my favorite Marvel films. First off, and the music was really cool because it's it's the Marvel the big Marvel theme. But then you had a you had some Mother's ba in there. How did you take a big orchestral? you know, Marvel theme and, and inject your style into that. And then also did you enjoy doing the big hero
3: sort of theme? Well, uh, you know, you wanna talk about it. I, I uh I got interested in the film first because of the director, Taika Watiti. He and to me, I, I kinda look around at people to see who they are and what they do and and I saw this movie he did called Hunt for the Wilda People and Ah, I did great know. film, yeah. yes. And, and and the music kind of hits you at first because it's all this beautiful lush uh out in in new zealand you know and it's this it's kind of like a, a cold amazon or something hmm. uh, and then the music was all electronic and he picked all this stuff from the 70s kind of jean michel Jarre kind of music and and at first it, it it seems like it doesn't fit and then the more you listen to it, you go oh he's a genius and so <laughs> so um i was already aware of him and then he called and said would you score my film consider scoring my film and so we met and i said well it's marvel what kind of a f- film is it and he goes well it's basically the story is thor and hulk go on a road trip so i left the meeting thinking oh this is like thelma and louise but with thor and, and the <laughs> jack hulk. kerouac and, and uh, so i really enjoyed working with him and um It was a a good experience. Uh, The whole thing was a really good experience. Um, And he liked, admittedly, we were ready to push the music even further, tweak it even further. And uh, um, Kevin was pretty brave and let us have a lot of leeway. So it, you know we got a lot of the stuff in there that we we were looking for and um
1: was there any pushback? because it it feels different and the movie i mean the movie kind of stands alone as it's different from the marvel feel it's almost kind of like a deadpool-ish where it's a little silly and not so hero you know what i mean we we kind of discussed that how robert had
0: a good word for that post ironic post -post ironic that's that's a good one. Where it kind of
1: plays – it makes fun of itself a little bit and it doesn't take itself too seriously. And then, and then when you put your music in there, it really kind of gives it a different vibe than the, the normal Marvel films you see.
3: Well, I can tell you uh, that it was – it came out – it was over two hours long when it came out in the theaters. But it was over three hours long when uh, we saw the first director's cut. So <laughs> so Kevin and those guys, they kind of, they kind of brought it back into – Somewhere you know somewhere new, but still it still touched on on all the bases you needed so that you didn't leave people feeling abandoned and uh the same thing kind of happened with the music. I, I like writing themes, so it was that that was fun to write them and then do them in different styles and and I got to use some old archaic synthesizers in in one of the planets that the one where Jeff Goldblum is kind of the 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 boss of. um,
2: I think you've just described a t-shirt that you should wear to every upcoming composer-director meeting. I like writing themes. That would make not only directors, I know that it would make studio heads absolutely joyful. (laughs) They used to come to me after any film and say, I don't know what the theme is. And I'd always say, first of all, there's no portion of the music that's longer than about three seconds you ask for these bursts and if there is a long musical portion it's under helicopter sounds so there are a lot of themes there you just have to allow them to play and i like writing themes i think i may make that t-shirt oh (laughs) (laughs) just because uh and it's a it's actually such a wonderful thing for any movie to have a composer that likes writing themes.
3: Yeah, and I agree with you. Just the way things have to happen so fast, there's so many people involved that they get lost, too. So you have to, like, really be careful and uh, make sure that, that, um, that they stay in. And, and I, you know, that's what I try and do anyhow. And
1: um, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, much more to come with Mark Mothersbaugh. We're going to talk about Devo and the Lego movie. But first, behind the score...
0: Behind the Score, the inside stories from Hollywood's greatest filmmakers and composers. During
1: the making of Score, a film music documentary, we heard from lots of people about a sometimes sensitive subject, the use of temping and temp scores. That's when directors use existing pieces of music, often written by a different composer for a different film that the director uses in editing before the
0: score is written. The default tends to be cliches.
1: That's film music agent
0: Richard Kraft, who hears temp music a lot. One of the goals of the score is to give it energy and pace. So if you're doing a movie that's going to involve action in a futuristic landscape, they're going to probably stick music in from inception. So then the composer goes, do I follow that lead or do I ignore it and run counter to it? I went to a screening of Beetlejuice early on and and tested horribly because at its core, people did not understand even what type of movie they were watching. Then Danny Elfman's music came in, especially the main title. And by the time the movie starts, the audience now knows how to respond to what's going
2: on. The whole temp thing has changed everything. It really has. And the smart political thing to say is, I'm okay with the temps. Golden Globe-nominated
1: composer Christopher Young says temp music is hard for a composer to unhear,
2: stealing away a little bit of the composer's creativity. How much of it am I supposed to latch on to and how much of it I'm just supposed to absorb the essence of
0: it can influence in a good way in a bad way
1: oscar-winning composer rachel portman says the temp can get in the way
0: in my sort of coming on board nerves i sort of worry that
3: i'm going to be able to do something as good but then after a bit i think well actually it isn't right this is going to be better because i and i find a what i think is probably a more authentic way for the music to work in the film which is as it should be because i am writing music which is specifically tailored to the film so i'm, I'm able to sort of you know, pinpoint more accurately what's needed.
2: Of course, the temp makes the director more comfortable, and I want the director to be more comfortable. In the dream world, I would have always have preferred the opportunity to see the film for the first time without temp. So I can go home and at least for one evening think about the film without any music and where is my brain going?
0: It's kind of painful when you see somebody's music kind of hijacked. That's Oscar-nominated composer
1: John Powell.
0: That unique voice being hijacked and so blithely by other people. And I know I've been there. I think they think that that's what film music sounds like and they've just never really made the association that way. Well, it's not just film music, it's actually Thomas Newman's film music. And I, maybe I shouldn't do that. Maybe I should think of my own language for that. I told you this was a sensitive subject
1: for composers. Christopher Young says in his opinion, the best temp score is no score at all.
2: There are a handful of films in which the director could not find a temp that was working. And I must say, those scores have turned out to be some of my favorite scores.
0: For more stories behind the score, read score. The Interviews, based on the international hit film Score, a film music documentary featuring raw insight from Hans Zimmer, James Cameron, Quincy Jones, Randy Newman, Trent Reznor, and many more. Score, The Interviews, available now at score-movie.com.
1: Welcome back to Mutato Musica, inside the studios of Mark Mothersbaugh. And uh, we're having a great time here. We're in his art studio. He showed us this really cool eight foot. It's a combination of xylophone and wooden whistles. How would
2: you describe this to a stranger? What do you call uh, it? And what do you call it?
3: A shorthand, I just call them orchestrions. I've built about a dozen of these now, and they're all totally different. Like one of them is uh, 18 old hand controlled foghorns that that look like uh, bellows for a, a blacksmith, but with a big horn on the end. And I, tu- I got those tuned and they, they sound pretty <laughs> awesome.
1: It's so great. We're going to post a video on our social media, but it, it's just like thought up from a genius. I don't Truly. even know how else to excri- describe it. And it has a fireplace on the bottom. You said to, well, you need that. to warm things <laughs> up.
2: <laughs> just in case you're on a chilly night. It actually, it, encouraged us to have a conversation before we recorded because Mark mentioned one of the great artists of the 20th century Man Ray he said there's a portion of this device where rayographs can be displayed and it we talked touched on it in the first part of it but i'm aware and clearly you are too of seasons of film composing which is usually decades of film composing and decades of filmmaking that change I feel that we're now in an era, and you certainly are aware of this because you're leading the charge musically in some ways, of what I called in the first segment post-ironic, that we're in an era where you're so worn out on superhero movies that now you get Deadpool 2 or Suicide Squad or Thor, Ragnarok, where... You're kind of, as the British would say, taking the piss out of the kind of heroic, straight-up thing.
3: What's amazing to me is just what's happened to music just across the world, how it's become more democratic and it's become more accessible. Uh, When you were a kid, maybe not you, but when I was a kid, (laughs) uh, I'd go into a, a store in Akron, Ohio, and I'd have to go past Annette Funicello posters and Frank Sinatra, things and then I'd work my way back to this section called rock and then there'd be one little box one bin at the end hmm. called other stuff <laughs> and there you'd find like Sun Ra and, and, uh, <laughs> and uh, Captain Beefheart and stuff like that or Silver Apples or something hmm. and now it's like kids have access to so much music and I think I think our culture is is raising people that are much more sophisticated in their musical taste. Hmm. I think I think to be a kid right now and to be an artist of any kind, I think this is the greatest time it's ever been. Uh, You know, um, with just your phone is is so powerful. I mean, you think about it. I I was just at Abbey Road uh, doing Hotel 3, Transylvania 3, and um, I looked at this little console that came out of the studio where the Beatles used to work. And it had like twelve channels or something on it that, and it looked like something out of a little Rascals cartoon <laughs> or something. And you think that kids, you know, they they on their phones they have more power than that. You know, they, they can have, record on they can, their phone, right? It's it's uh, they don't need to know how to play an instrument anymore because you can do it with your mouth and and uh, it'll transform that into it'll make up a MIDI uh, line that yeah. you can decide what instrument you want it to be later and. Uh, I don't know. It's just such a wonderful time. I think, I think there's so many kinds of music going on. When I go watch movies, it's um, I don't even know what I'm going to hear sometimes because yeah. there's there's very traditional composers out there, which I love that. You know, it's like um, I was when I first got involved. I thought someday I'm going to do To Kill a Mockingbird, whatever the modern version of it is, mm. and uh, it never came to me so who knows maybe it's still one of my favorites
2: 22 pieces elmer bernstein used i'm not sure why that number sticks in my head but he used a 22-piece orchestra to make that sound
3: reductive synthesis
2: yes (laughs) that's nice well you know you hear (laughs) the people you hear the
3: people when when it's that few of players you know you you hear the parts you know they just become silky and smooth or they become like really polished when when you know when you have 90 people playing it you know because then then you can have six french horn player or nine french horn players and one of them's having an off day but you don't even notice it gives you a chorus effect yeah they're just kind of uh holding back instead of really playing right i want to
1: touch on uh this there's a simpsons episode that i remember watch i actually used to tape the, the shows and i had a tape of simpsons episodes and there was one on there that always stood out uh the Simpsons are doing sort of a variety show, and there's different characters singing songs, and then it cuts to Mr. Smithers.
0: Crank that whip.
2: <laughs> Licorice whip.
0: I said whip it. Licorice whip.
1: <laughs> You've you, you got this song, Whip It, that's still in rotation. It's, It's passed through different generations and there's all these these covers and different parodies done on it. What's it like being connected to a song like that? I think every band probably has the dream of writing something that, that gets to that level, but is it fun hearing parodies
3: and stuff like that over the years? I would love to put out an album of every... Parody that was ever done. Clip it, drip it, strip <laughs> it, flip it, tip it. There's there's been so many. And I, I, at, a, at a certain point, we were we were just referring to ourselves as D-Ho instead of uh, <laughs> Dvo. But but uh, yeah. but it still gets it still gets used for things. now. now there's somebody just wrote in today that, uh, from BMG they said they said Wow, well, we have another license for it today. So so uh, but it was a double-edged sword for me because I thought of ourselves as I didn't even want to be a band. I thought I started with a couple guys that were I met at art school, and we were influenced by all these art movements from the twenties to the thirties in Europe. So we loved the Futurists in Italy or the Suprematists in Russia, who made fun of um, evolution and, and of man's knowledge of the world, and and uh, the Dadaists were our heroes, and uh, you know the the. Surrealists, we we loved all this stuff that was going on there, and, and we wanted to be like, you know, we wanted to be like. Uh, there was an Art Nouveau and an Art Deco. Now we're going to be Art Devo, and we were oh, we were yeah. going to preach uh, de-evolution, we, and that's what we thought we were we were doing, and we thought we were more like agit-prop because we were make, There was no bands making films, and so we were making little films. Ah, uh,
2: yeah, I remember. And,
3: and, and we were like. We're making product for laser discs. Someday people will all have laser discs, and <laughs> that's how they'll listen to their. They'll buy forty fives that are laser discs. They won't ever. So artists are going to take over the music industry. Rock and roll is basically. It's 1974, and rock and roll is about to die. It's going to be over, and by 1975. So we want to be ready for it.
2: Um, I think Devo spelled D E V E A U would be like Art Nouveau. Art Devo.
3: Well, we were Art Devo. That's how we used to pronounce oh, it. Nice. And then uh, I wrote this song called "Jockahoma," where it ended up accenting the second syllable and that changed it because then everybody said "Devo" instead of saying Did you try Devo. to correct
1: it at first and then it kind of just...
3: Jerry was really concerned about it. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Art Devoe could be played on the radio show by Art Lebeau. Oh. Yeah. You know, it could be a whole really complicated and non-important sequit- non-sequitur. I'm glad you and, brought that up. Yeah, and he, and you he so could much. have on
3: a whole posse of hoes. <laughs> uh, okay, <laughs> and we
2: could then move, t- as a perfect segue, to Lego. Lego. Sure. And Larry is, Curly. Yeah. yeah, Larry Curly, <laughs> Larry and, Curly and, and Lego. <laughs> and Lego. Um, I'm just curious, because Lego is a favorite film of mine, if, how much you saw when you were scoring it? Did they have pictures? Did they have drawings? Did they have actual Legos built for you to look at?
3: Well, um... This is I, I did I've done two of the of the, of the three Lego movies now, and uh, the first one we kind of we had a lot of the stuff there, and and I'd worked with the uh, the writers, sort of directors, uh, Phil Phil and Chris Chris yeah uh, on four other films already oh, I didn't know we'd done. Uh, to cloudy with a chance of meatballs, and that was this That's skinny right. little mm. book for little kids. That you looked at it, and the artwork was kind of mediocre, and the Is that story. Meaty? Oh, I was going to yeah, do it. I wasn't oh. gonna. <laughs> oh. so sorry. We're on <laughs> no. a roll today. On a roll.
0: I, wait, I got <laughs> That'd be a meatball <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> sandwich. Go ahead, please. You were <laughs> oh. saying the artwork It's a great a Parmesan. So, genre. so
3: it's like um, <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> so, but but when I saw this, it was they made this incredible story for it, and. We did two of those films, and they came out pretty good. And then, then the next thing they called me about, they said, we're going to do 21 Jump Street as a film. And I thought, that sounds like a – is that a good idea or not? So I went, and, <laughs> I went online, and I, I watched the, th- the theme song. You could see it on YouTube. And I went, that's the lamest show ever invented. Right. <laughs> yes. I was like, why did they want to do that? And then they made this pretty funny show, and we did 21 and 22. and Right. Uh, and uh, so then Lego was the next thing, and everybody – was kind of already saying, oh, it's going to be like Barney's or something. You know, They already thought it was for little kids, but they they put out this show that was really interesting, and, and I loved it visually because it would go all the way from like a Where's Waldo scene where, where the whole screen had so many things happening on it that you couldn't even look at the, sc- at the screen. It was so s- oversaturated, and then it would come in close on just one character, and then you'd see a scuff from the kids that had been playing with him. Fantastic. I thought that was pretty clever. Yeah. So, um, so, so, so uh, that was the first one, and then they did a Batman without me. Thanks a lot, uh, uh, you guys. And then, and then, uh, <laughs> then Ninjago, they called me up and they needed some help. And uh, Ninjago, I think it was a better film than it than it did at the box office, hmm. but uh,
0: it was very well reviewed.
3: I don't. I never read the reviews. But I was so <laughs> depressed because we worked so hard on it. It was one of those ones where uh, I was scoring to a script because they didn't have picture.
2: Oh, no. Oh. Yeah,
3: and, and and I'm like, how are they going to come up with picture by uh, six weeks from now, you know? That's got to
1: be a hard one to score to script when it's so action-packed and animated with the Legos and everything. Well, yeah,
3: and but I have this thing where I, I will sometimes double-score things just to be safe, but in the case of Lego, because there was so much electronic uh parts to the score I, I made it so you could like you could like if you if you were sitting here with a dial you could dial it one direction and it, it could be an all electronic score that would totally service the film or you could dial it the other way and it could be all orchestral and uh, oh, wow. so they could they could play with it in the middle depending on if they needed more emotion or if they needed more like hardcore action or something you could dial it back and forth so That's i just kind of had to do that and then
2: you almost felt it in the cue that you played matt which was had electronic elements and orchestral elements yeah and all worked out.
1: Did you uh, did you play with Legos as a kid? Is it kind of cool to be attached to the the brand of Lego? It's been around for so long.
3: Well, it's been around. So I've been around longer, I think, because because uh, we had Lincoln Logs when I was a kid. Nice. And I, they, I, they, that. I I had Lincoln Logs. Yeah, I yeah that. they were great to chew on, but they just <laughs> oh, well, they so didn't nice, nutritious <laughs> too. Uh, yeah, splinters and everything. So,
2: but, Mark, just uh, thank you so much for, of course, being here with us and answering all these questions. Is this the Orchestrion will that take up your time for the rest of two thousand and eighteen? Do you have pictures that are you doing simultaneously are you going do you go back and forth or simultaneously do you work on visual installments and scores?
3: Um, I kind of work on everything at once okay. it 's the only way i can I can function properly and uh, the orchestrion that you're looking at right now is going into a uh, an art gallery in a couple weeks. Where and
2: so our fans can go see one up yes, close and personal. That's true. Cool. And um, will it be in Silicon Valley? You mentioned
3: no. This one's going to go into Beverly Hills. All oh, places. lovely!
2: Yeah. Very, and, very nice.
3: And then, uh, but but I, I'm doing uh, commissions for museums now. Uh, mm. I'm, I'm doing a 25 foot tall uh, cuckoo clock that that I've designed all the characters for it and all the moving action. And then I'm writing music that's very similar to what you were listening to earlier f- for um, uh, th- that you were hearing on coming out of this thing. Uh, we'll be playing in the city of Denver in next October or even sooner. Have uh, you
1: have you always been into this kind of stuff? Because some people are musicians and you call them artists, but like you are a full-on artist building and painting and all these different... Things. how do you even find the time to do this stuff
3: well uh, there's a there's a lot of things people do for fun that I never get to I'll never get to know about so um, but instead I you know this is just how I live my life um, uh, now you may now that confused me that question so um, <laughs> you spend your time
2: doing beautiful I just work do what I do and, and output and you may never have the chance to for example segue or go boogie boarding because you that's true d-
3: I'm, I'm not a boogie boarder or a skier but right. uh, you know that's but I think
2: I don't know if people I will remember your, your skiing but they will definitely remember yeah, the that's orchestra that's a memorable thing. and you made me think about that clock in Prague do you know the clock in Prague in the town square that it's has a beautiful one has the, chari- the characters say, that building out, a cuckoo yeah. clock. I just read recently that it's actually for the first time in like 400 years it's stopped so they can clean it and repair it and so if you go right now it's not working but it's forget it has a a funny name but your cuckoo clock made me think about because it's scenic in a way and it has the kind of the clouds and the weather and the astrological signs and it's just a fabulous thing it's been there for maybe yeah it's 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 one
3: of the it's one of the
2: It was there before clocks were even invented. We're going to (laughs) actually... Robert's new podcast,
1: Clocks of the World, is coming soon. That's it, starring. uh, All right, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're playing the game. Name name that that score. score. We'll be right back. Oh, shit.
2: (laughs) I hope
0: you got that. Hey, Matt Schrader here, director of Score of Film Music Documentary. For the latest news from the film music world, follow us on Facebook. Just search Score of Film Music Documentary. Or let us know who you want to hear next on the show on Twitter, at ScoreThePodcast.
1: Welcome back to Mutado Musica, inside the studios of Mark Mothersbaugh. We've had a great conversation. Wow, with
2: there, I have a Mutato Musica pencil here, which I may just have to kind of slide into my sleeve. It's yoink. a cool souvenir.
1: Uh, we're in his It'll art studio. it bring you good yeah, love, yeah. yeah. Right by the... You called it again the Orchestrion?
3: It's an Orchestrion, yes. So
1: cool. We're going to post a video of that on our social media. You have to see this piece of art. Um, But before, without further ado... The
2: excitement is palpable (laughs) in the room.
1: It really is. It's sweeping the nation, the world. It's time to play. Matt, hit it.
0: Get ready to play Name That Score! The film-music game where a perfect score means you, yes, you, could be a winner. Now let's play Name That Score! Well, thank you to the okay. studio audience uh, out there. Uh, please, settle down, settle down. Um, so our, uh, our theme of today's game is... Movies about animals, and uh, mm. we'll we'll, uh, we'll give the quick rules here. It's uh, fairly straightforward. We play five famous film scores in reverse. Robert, Kenny, and our guest today, Mark Mothersbaugh, will pick from three multiple-choice answers. And uh, if anybody gets all five right, we give away a prize on our Twitter account. Um, if you mention hashtag name that score, uh, at score the podcast again today's theme uh, is movies about animals so every question and every answer here is going to be something
2: that falls into that theme i wonder if elephant man is coming up because they say at one point <laughs> something about him being an animal I'm, just, wondering. There, I'm just a, wondering there may be a couple that what push what I'm trying to do you. is strategically i'm gonna put everything on the off. daily
0: double that there's no elephant man in there okay <laughs> good little side bits. here we go <laughs> question number one is this then? remember this was in reverse is this music from The Lion King by Hans Zimmer The Jungle Book uh, 2016 by John Debney that's the live action Jungle Book or War for the Planet of the Apes by Michael Giacchino
2: <laughs> Robert
0: Robert reacted immediately i'm going what do you think robert
2: i am so straight up lion king that um, is a lion king forwards and backwards
3: right uh, the, a lot of the uh, african lyrics are the same forwards and backwards That's exactly so. right. i think <laughs> they were originally
2: backwards actually
3: mm-hmm. i'm gonna go
0: with lion king it's
3: completely obvious
2: thank you so points much. points
0: for everybody on that one it sounds almost exactly the same you're absolutely right All right, so points for everybody on that one. Uh, We're moving on to question two. Everybody's one for one. Question number two is this uh, reversed music from King Kong 2005, James Newton Howard, one of Lucas Craft's favorites? Is this (laughs) Jurassic Park by John Williams or Air Bud by Brom Wenger?
2: That's really difficult, and so as a result, I'm going to strategically suggest that one of my other I'll, competitors... Oh, I'll take
1: that one. I, Should we hear that, it again? Go ahead. You know what? <laughs> you, you go ahead, Mark. Oh,
0: Kenny's man. passing. <laughs> okay. You want the options again? Because,
3: oh, see, if I go Jurassic Park, then you can, like, say, uh, all right, I'll do. I'll go with <laughs> Jurassic Park. I don't know.
0: Mark's saying Jurassic Park. Our options again, King Kong, Jurassic Park, and Air Bud. It... it I'm very confident it's John
2: Williams. Needless to say, being incredibly clever about the way I play this game, Jurassic Park is my <laughs> guess. Points for everybody! All
1: right.
0: Now nice. it's very recognizable. Yeah, great. Points for everybody on that. Wait
3: one. a minute, he's used that theme on a. Okay. Yes.
0: <laughs> I think it's. All right, so we're perfect. Two for two, everybody. Two for two. On to question three. Is this Jaws by John Williams, The Birds, Bernard Herrmann, or Planet of the Apes, the original by Jerry Goldsmith? That's the birds. That
2: is the birds.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Mark, knew that immediately. That is Points for everybody again. All right. So we're three for three. These get a little (laughs) bit trickier now. I got a
1: free one there. I didn't even have to guess. Kenny doesn't even have to guess anymore. (laughs) I'm glad I didn't go first.
0: Thanks, Mark. Were you going to say that? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) (laughs) Of course. (laughs) All right. Moving on. Question number four. Uh, These are uh, movies about animals. And uh, the... Three options for this question are Fantastic Mr. Fox, Alexander Desplat, Ratatouille by Michael Giacchino, and Dumbo by Frank Churchill and Oliver Wallace, the original. Fantastic Mr. Fox, Alexander Desplat, Ratatouille by Michael Giacchino, and Dumbo, 1941 film score by Frank Churchill, Oliver Wallace. I'm going to go Ratatouille. Kenny's going Ratatouille. I'm going a ratty. <laughs> ratty. I'm
2: going Rat-T-T-T-T-O. Oh,
3: boy.
2: Does anyone want to listen again? Uh-oh. Oh.
3: <laughs>
2: fantastic, Mr. Fox. I'm going to change my... I'm, changing. I'm going Fantastic, Mr. Fox. That's
0: what I meant to say. Yeah. That, that's what... Everybody? Everybody? I think Matt's screwing with us. Kenny's staying with Ratatouille. Yeah. I'm okay. staying with it. You're staying with it, too? Yeah.
2: Fantastic, okay. Mr. Fox. Is it fantastic? Wow.
0: Robert it bailed and got it right. Oh, good man. work, Mark Robert. and Kenny. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't get that one. So Robert stays perfect, but just barely. That was At a close last.
1: one. How many weeks Oh, we would have been... got that. <laughs> Robert, this, is, this could be your, your first chance like to backwards. win the game. It's really good. quite
2: incredible. In fact, I've been you know sandbagging the whole time, kind of playing. It's like those things where... Actually, it comes back to our Marcel Duchamp conversation. He used to play chess in New York City, and he would lose the first two games. He was taught, and then double the bet oh, for the yes. third game. So I'm just going to let you guys know that if you want to go like on the, the last question, since we're in
3: the hall. world of Wes Anderson, yes, I'll give you a little forwards backwards trivia. Um, when we were doing Life Aquatic, there was a scene where where um, Bill Murray goes and let me show you, let me tell you about my boat, and he points to a cutaway in the side of Chinichita somewhere. They had a big soundstage where they just had this long action shot where people were just moving all through a boat that was cut in half. And um, he said, I want it to sound like that music you wrote for uh, Royal Tannenbaums where, where Gene Gene Hackman and uh, Angelica Houston are walking in Central Park and they're kind of it's their one nice moment together, and he's kind of flirting with her, but it's mm. too late because she's already got a boyfriend. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and um, he said, I want it to kind of sound like that. So I wrote some, some pieces of music that I thought sounded like that in the right instrumentation for our movie, our new movie. And he's like, No. And I wrote him another one, and he's like, That's not doing it either. And, and after about three or four of them, I've been doing this artwork at home where I was taking photographs and cutting them in half and flipping the image. To make, you know, like a – so you had a symmetrical person that – Like a butterfly. So I I just took the music and played it backwards for um, the piece of music that he liked in Royal Tannenbaums. And so when I played it the next day, I changed the instruments to match what we were using in Life Aquatic. He goes – that's it. So oh. I waited until we got it recorded before I uh, let him know that it, he had already bought that music oh, uh, that's the year before. Wait,
1: so if we do that in a question on Name That Score and it plays backwards, it's a different movie. What is going on? I think that's going to be a 2 Head point.
2: explosion. A, a 2 <laughs> <laughs> You're
0: wrong. It means you're wrong. Question five. <laughs> question number five. The answers for this one are Babe by Nigel Westlake, Finding Nemo by Thomas Newman, Ice Age by David Newman, his brother.
2: Want to hear it again? Is Ravi Shankar an option? It is not. Okay.
3: (laughs) I know it has a very... uh...
0: Kenny's pretty certain that he's got this, but it's it's all about Robert to win. I'm
2: going Nemo. Nemo. Yeah, I'm going Nemo Thomas going. Newman.
0: It Everybody's like, going. Nemo. It
1: sounded like it was underwater to me. Yeah, mm-hmm. same. it's Finding Nemo.
0: All right, yes. points for everybody. So that means guess what? Robert is our big winner. Our big
2: winner. Matt got a new sound effect. He had
0: to introduce it there.
2: Robert Kraft. What did I win? Do I get the Broyhill furniture? Well, uh,
1: (laughs) you're going to want to follow us on Twitter and use the hashtag name that score because not only did Mark sign a couple of things for us, but we also have these postcards, and he drew unique pictures that you're only going to get from Score the
2: Podcast. Now, isn't there a disclaimer that we should have that members of the podcast production Maybe if and they hosting, win, win the game. ...if they win are not allowed to accept prizes? <laughs> Since we don't have that, I will take these because I really want them. But I think going forward, we should have that rule after... After this one? After this one. We'll, we'll saw, have to talk about it. I saw what Mark made, and they are really cool. I think there was an additional... Prize. You see that asterisk where it says, Kraft gets to take home the orchestrion? Because I think that was a very, very thoughtful job. I don't know if that's going to fit in the
3: Audi.
1: It may,
2: it
3: may not fit in the Audi. But.
2: Well, maybe an Innie and then an Audi. And for that, we get a little bit of a ding, 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 ding. Thank you. Or maybe not. Kind of a raz. Oh, you're looking for. uh got to get back to it. I think we've had an incredible show. There you go. With one of our most esteemed composers. I wanted to touch on something that we
0: we uh, asked right kind of at the start, and we didn't. We kind of went down a different tangent. But Mark, you, you, Robert, you were talking about a lot of these conversations that have happened for different films, people looking for a different kind of sound, a different kind of musical aesthetic that someone might be able to bring. Um, Mark, do you feel like you know what? A director is thinking they probably want out of a score when they first reach out to you? Is there a certain thing that they think, oh, they probably want this to sound like Pee Wee or they want this to sound like something else that you get a lot?
3: Uh, no, sometimes, you know, it's it's all different. That's what's kind of fun about it. Uh, I, when I When I was first in a band, it was two sets of brothers, so I was used to the collaborative process. So I love meeting whoever's going to be working on the film with me and i'm hoping it's somebody that i enjoy working with and sometimes it takes a while i mean i i it took me weeks of somebody saying i hate that and i hate that before i found out that uh they hated um shaker (laughs) and then once i took the shaker out they go oh that's perfect you know so one little thing set it off so some some you get all different kinds of situations and some people are just they're really good at being able to in non-musical terms describe what it is they're looking for and that's that's great and also uh, the better the film is the easier it is to score i think
2: oh man
1: all right well mark uh it's been a pleasure thank you for having us here in your awesome lime green building that that is uh it's a monument here on the sunset awesome Really quick. <laughs> well, Tickled Pink to have you guys here.
2: Nice. Tickled Pink in the green building. Thank you for also indulging me in the opportunity to talk a little bit about art and Man Ray and Post-Ironic and DeVoe. Oh, d- Devo.
3: I-, I still think, Robert, you have a feature film that you haven't told the story about You yet. might have just Uh-oh. inspired me to write it. Write Bonus
2: that episode? story down. <laughs> yeah, It's well, very rare that I get a chance to share that story, so thank you.
1: All right. Well, we want to remind our listeners, uh, we're, we're a growing podcast, one of the fastest growing podcasts. In film and TV on Apple Podcasts. So please subscribe to us. And uh, if you like what you're hearing, also tell a friend. That's how we spread. And uh, if you have a moment, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts as well. That helps get the word out. Also, we have a winning episode this week. Robert ran Thanks the to table. Robert Kraft. So make sure to follow us on Twitter at Score the Podcast. And use hashtag name that Score. You're going to love these uh, drawings Mark did for us. So we'll be giving those away. Maybe we'll have a couple winners this week because we have a couple of. Uh, Gifts. To yeah. Well, what are you going to
2: give away after I basically abscond with my original Mark Mothersbaugh drawings? You're going to have to find something else. <laughs> this pencil could be cool. Says Mutado Music. That's so, your gift. Thank you so <laughs> That's much. That's your prize. Congratulations. <laughs>
1: There's your winning prize. <laughs> um, all right. Well, thanks again, Mark, for having us. And uh, next week, a big week on the show. We've got John Powell joining us. It's a great, John Powell. Yes. Next solo Tuesday. coming out Star Wars uh, later this month. And uh, it's so, Sir John Powell, right? So Sir- oh, nice. Is it really? Uh, he might should be. I don't know. <laughs> oh, should be. I'm nominating now him now that he's in the
2: Star Wars family. It probably <laughs> should yeah. be. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> Darth Powell. <laughs> we'll go with that. Thanks so much, Matt. May I also commend you? I don't think we've had a chance for me to share that the choice of animals and those titles I thought was very original and inspired, including <laughs> Planet of the Apes. I mean, I don't think of it as an animal film, but I'm going with Fantastic Mr. Fox. Absolutely just because the one film you might <laughs> want to think about next time Elephant Man I think Elephant Man has got a whole place <laughs> it. Kenny thanks Mark I appreciate you spending some time with us oh, we what are For the podcast and we'll see you next week